Coming live from Maryland, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you're watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Lindsay Ellison, relationship coach and founder of Start Over Coaching. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Hey there. Thanks for having me. So fun to be here. Right, right. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show. So Lindsay, you are a relationship coach and you help people discover their broke breakthrough in their breakups. And you believe that all breakups and also divorces, divorces are a catalyst for self-discovery and a gold mine awaits them when they are able to identify the destructive relationship patterns. And you specialize in childhood trauma, codependency, and communicating with narcissists and high conflict relationships. You believe in breakup to you are you are a breakup to breakthrough coach. So we'll be talking today about the secret formula for keeping your cool with difficult people. So let me ask you an easy and a difficult question at the same time. Who exactly are these difficult people? Oh, the difficult people are those anyone, if you're in a relationship with anyone who is constantly giving you conflict. So you're always arguing with them. They never see your point. You're always trying to get them to see your point. There isn't a easy flow of collaboration. Typically, difficult people don't like to listen. Um, if you're in a relationship with someone, you don't feel heard. Um, they're difficult people don't have empathy. They make everything about them. Uh, of course, we can bundle narcissists into difficult people. Narcissists is a narcissism and narcissist is a word that everyone is throwing around. Uh, a lot of people, you know, will call a, any difficult person a narcissist. Difficult people can be a narcissist, but you don't have to be a difficult person and a narcissist at the same time. So at the end of the day, it's just, I always like to just say high conflict people. High conflict people. And how does one realize that uh, the person itself, himself or herself is not the difficult one. How do you know that the other person is the difficult one or you are not the problem to this whole issue? So how does it work and how do does one move forward? Because if you are the difficult one, then you need help. But if somebody else is the difficult one, then uh, then it's a different process altogether. And that is where I guess a lot of conflicts happen because everybody sees issues and problems from their own point of view with whatever information and assessment or, you know, uh, image that they have built up of the other people? Yeah, that's a good question. So, of course, you can be the difficult person. So if you are, then listen for feedback if someone is telling you that you're being difficult and challenging. The only person in a, a, in a relationship between two people, let's say you and me, right? The only person that I have any control over is myself. So if you're the difficult person, all I can do is then work on how I respond to your 
difficult communication or challenging or high conflict communication. What often people do is we get into this kind of power struggle where I'm trying to tell you, stop being so difficult. Well, I can't tell you to stop being difficult, nor do I have the control or power over you to be to stop being difficult. So often your difficulty, the, the whatever conflict that I am feeling with with you often is a trigger. So you're clearly people are getting triggered. And that's really what we're talking about here is if you are saying something to me that I'm getting triggered, where I'm being offended by that or it's creating negative emotions within me. What's interesting and what is the truth is that what you're saying to me has nothing to do with you. <laughs> and what you think of me also has nothing to do with me. So what happens when two people are in a room and they're just triggering each other, it's what a trigger really means is it's a memory of the past. And our egos are responding to that situation as fear or anger or something negative. So what I always say is ego is the chief operating officer of our past. And so we're being triggered. So let's say you say to me, Lindsay, I hate the way you look, <laughs> or I hate your outfit, or I don't like your hair, or why don't you wear something a little nicer, okay? So if, if I were to get triggered by that, that means that that actually came from the past, where let's say my mother must have done that, or my ex-husband must have done that, and I get very upset by that. So in order for me to manage that and to not be triggered and to stay cool in that, right, I would typically respond to you and say, huh, I'm curious why you would say that. And so one of the ways we can manage boundaries with difficult people is I have this method called ABC, always be curious. So instead of responding to the said attack or an insult, and not absorbing it. Being curious mitigates us from absorbing the attack as a wound of some kind of personal mark on us. Because really, if you were to say that to me, you're having a bad day. <laughs> There's something going on with you. I'm triggering you. There's something about me that's triggering you to say unkind things, right? So that's often why when there's a high conflict relationship, both people are triggering each other. So we're, our egos are now in full operation to then respond out of fear or anger. By remaining to, to, to make sure ego does not step into that conversation to the dynamic, we have to come from a heart-centered place of self-love. So therefore, if you were to say that thing to me, I know that I actually might look good or I feel good. You may not think so, but all that matters is what I think. So therefore I would, instead of responding to it with uh, something mean back to you, well, you look terrible too, or you didn't get up this morning and, and make an effort, right? Then now we're having a conflict. So rather than we can just say, well, huh, why would you say that? Are you having a bad day? Always be curious. That's a good way of, of defending anything without stepping into uh, allowing your ego to take over. Okay.
Okay, so now let's move to the solution part. The secret formula for keeping your cool with difficult people. And it's a very, very difficult job to do or work to do uh, for like uh, of keeping cool with difficult people, actually. Now, let's look at three uh, situations, let's see. One is the personal relationship at home with friends, relatives. Then there is this workplace. You are dealing mm -hmm. with colleagues, uh, peers and bosses and all that. And then there is the client. You are also dealing with difficult people there. Now, can you share your secret formula? Keeping in view these three settings where people can utilize them and make their life cool, being even amidst difficult people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it really goes back to when anyone is saying, so the difficult thing, whether it's at home, right? Relationships, coworkers in the workplace or clients. Okay. So if you, one of them is to really always be curious. Okay. And keeping that awareness where you're not absorbing but you're observing their behavior and you're trying to have empathy for this person and try to understand what is making them so difficult okay so that's one and it does not mean you have to be their therapist it does not mean that you have to suddenly have this person dump all of their problems onto you okay but if it's less about them but more about examining what it is that person is doing or saying to you that's making you feel so insecure, upset, fearful, angry, um, and often a difficult person who's coming at you really is what makes us feel insecure. We start to judge ourselves. We start to doubt ourselves. We don't feel strong enough. We feel overpowered by this other person. They can often be bullies. Okay, and so we don't know how to handle that. So the first thing is then understanding what's the trigger? What specifically about this person? So let's map out the things they say or the event. So this could be something, and I highly recommend doing this before you are engaging in conflict with someone. So I call this kind of the trigger mitigation plan. So if it's someone that's always bothered, whether it's your mother or your sister or you know someone where you're just constantly like, you just don't like being around them, but you have to, okay? So then map out all of the things that they say or do. Then there's a sequence. So the first thing is understanding your thoughts. What are you thinking about that, okay? So the thought would be, um, <clears throat> it's something really that's not true. Okay, something that you're making up. So if um, your mother is always putting you down, especially in front of other people, so then you write that down. You write down the event or the trigger. So when mom is always putting me down in front of other people, what I think is, and I used to like, and I always like to say the words, what I make up is, what I make up is I'm not good enough. And I feel, so then you map your emotion around that. So you have your thought, your emotion, and I feel sad, I feel insecure, 
I don't feel worthy, let's say. Then you're mapping out the behavior. So then what do you typically do next in those situations? Well, when mom does that, and I feel insecure and I'm angry about that, what I end up typically doing is I defend myself and try to change her mind. And then look at the outcome. What is the typical outcome? And you're gonna know right away when you map this that it's never good. So now you have this one sequence. Now you're gonna go back and almost in a column format, you wanna look at the thought of I make up that I'm, not worthy, I'm insecure, right? So then write the truth, write an alternate statement because what you're doing is you're getting out of ego and you're getting into a more heart-centered place of who you are as an authentic person. And when you do that, you're gonna see the duality of the situation and it's pretty amazing. It's always opposing. So it's always what you make up and always what the truth is. And all the truth matters is what you believe to be true, not what mother believes to be true or not what your client believes to be true. And then you're wanting to try to practice this different sequence. So the truth is, is that mom might be having a bad day. Mom might be insecure. Mom might typically, let's just say if it's mom that's always picking on us. I see this all the time in my coaching practice when mom does that. Mom deep down, is feeling like she's a bad mother. She doesn't feel good enough about how she's parenting. So she wants you to change your actions and your behaviors to make her feel good. And if over the years we've been dealing with that family dynamic and that family system, what that is really what we're doing is we're carrying someone else's baggage not for us to carry. So when we see mom doing that, what's really going on is she's projecting her insecurities onto me. And then it's my job to carry that. So I'm going to change how I look or change what I'm doing so that mom feels better about herself. Well, in the end of the day, that's impossible because no one makes anyone feel or think anything. We get to believe that we are, we think we are, we think we have that much power, but we don't. So if mom is constantly picking on you, we can then understand what the truth is. Well, I'm feeling good. I feel good now. I'm gonna have a boundary around, emotional boundary. I'm not gonna let that absorb into me. And then from a communication standpoint, we can then ask mom, mom, what's going on? Why are you saying that? We always are curious. So instead of going from this place of ego of, well, you know, mom, you're always doing that. Why are you saying that to me? Well, you don't, you know, and then we go right back and then we lash right back at them and then we turn into an argument. So we could just deflect and say, mom, and what, what let's say mom says, oh, I don't know. Why are you even asking me? Well, I'm just noticing that you're, you are, uh, you're saying that a lot to me lately and it just maybe seems as though you're struggling with something. Do you want to talk about it? So much easier than having an argument. Okay. And where does it end? How does it pan out for the better for both of them? Uh, in That's what one desires. 
so how does it pan out and the desire is that it pans out good for both of them and sometimes it may not happen that way so how do you see that happening with your clients how do you what do you suggest for people that it works better because these relationships are also very emotional relationships and very important relationships for people yeah i think a lot of people believe that um you know there, there's relationships that you can choose to get out of like a, a, you know a marriage or a romantic relationship if it's toxic it's constantly bringing you pain i mean i i think there are people you know I, I call them twin flames right there's just people out there that are constantly triggering you they're they're always poking it i call it woodpeckering right a woodpecker woodpeck peck 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 and there's just people who are constantly doing that and when you are around those people it, it's just an exhausting relationship so you have to protect yourself and you get to make the choice of whether you want to be around that if you can manage it or it's just not good for you they just don't make you feel good they're constantly bringing up old wounds that you're maybe working on with your therapist, your coach, or on your own, but you just don't want to be around that person anymore. So you have a choice to exit that relationship. A lot of the times, um, you know, in a work situation, you know, you, you don't have to stay in your job. You don't have to be bullied by a boss. Um, and if you have a client that's difficult, you can fire them. You know, I've done that before. Um, so I always say, have this almost thought of you have a right to be joyful and have pretty easy relationships. I mean, that's at, at my age. I mean, I, I just don't, I have a very low tolerance for uh, toxic people in my life. I think there's a, this notion that you have to be around that, but let's say it's a family member and you can't fire your mother or you can't fire your sister, right? But you can certainly have boundaries around that. And you can certainly practice tools of how to communicate with these people without engaging and getting sucked into their vortex where it creates and gets worse. So there's ways of, like I said, always be curious. But then you can also just say, you know what? It seems like you're having a bad day. I really want to be and have this conversation. I want to be around you. I don't, I'm in such a good mood that maybe we should revisit this conversation. We're in a better place. So you're not telling anyone what to do. All you're doing is monitoring your own agency and understanding what you are in control of and making sure that you're not carrying the baggage of someone else's projection. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, fully. Now, uh, in personal relationship, Lindsay, you say they are carrying their own baggage and they you, you don't have to. Uh, bear that in workplaces how does it happen you don't know most of most of these people you don't know they mm -hmm. have their own baggage so why do why do people in workplaces can become very toxic for people specifically towards some people or they make environment such negative for people but let's take a individual case here why is it that a uh, few people, some people, or one person is not too good to one particular person or just a couple of people. How is it without the baggage there too much? How is, does it work there? And what does one yeah. do in that situation? So typically, 
anyone who is not, you know, not, uh, they're not being nice or they're just a, kind of the office bully. You know, when they walk into the lunchroom, you roll your eyes, like, here you go. And everyone clears the room, right? Um, and and I, I feel as though in my professional life prior to coaching, uh, I've always been in an office environment and there's always one of them. There's always that difficult person. So the best way I like yeah. to tell people is I want you to picture this person kind of like a schoolyard bully. You know, bullies are underdeveloped children masked in an adult body. They did not get their needs met in, in their childhood. There is childhood trauma going on. And do you need to know what that is in a, in a workplace setting? Absolutely not, you don't. But you can look at them with empathy. And I know this is difficult, especially if you don't like them at all, but try it because there's two choices. You can look at them as the devil. You could look at them as the bully or a narcissist. But when you do that, you are assigning energy to this other person where they have more power over you. And that's not true. So the minute you they have more power over you, oof, right away they sense it and then they can start manipulating you or lying to you, et cetera. So if you look at them as more of the um, um, underdeveloped adult child, if you will, then you can look at, so I always say, so if you were to see, um, a child with special needs, for instance, uh, in a restaurant and who's crying hysterically and, and you're trying to eat, you know, you're going to get so annoyed. But then you look over and see, oh, this child has special needs, right? You're going to have a little bit more empathy and you're not going to get so annoyed. It's the same thing with these bullies because a functional adult does not need to bully in order to communicate. A functional adult does not need to manipulate others or lie or step on people in order to be successful. And what's frustrating is that a lot of these people are successful. That's the thing, it's like so annoying when we're in the workplace, I'm like, doesn't anyone see what's going on, right? Um, and a lot of these bullies can often be the, you know, the biggest producers. They are typically the most mm -hmm. successful. So we automatically get annoyed and frustrated and then we wanna fight back to show them how strong we are. That is one of the worst things you can do with a bully or an emotional manipulator because they love it. They love it. And here's an example. I actually worked with the guy, um, gosh, five years ago, I did some consulting work on the side and this guy was the office bully. He was also the rainmaker. He was just bypassing every process. He didn't care uh, about, you know, he, he couldn't work as a team. He, he could only do everything by himself. And I was running a team at the time and my team, they were all in their twenties and he was my age and my staff and my team, they were coming up to me crying. Like they, they couldn't stand working with him. And I saw right through it. I saw exactly, you know, just because of what I do for, for, for the coaching side of the, of the work. And I saw that guy is hurting. Right. I just, I just said that. So I asked him to go to lunch with me one day and I said, or, or take a walk. And we, I think we got coffee and took a walk. And I just said, so what's going on? You know, like I'm noticing that you're bypassing all of these processes. Um, you're speaking to my staff in a way that's really hurtful. I'm just curious. Is there anything that I can do to help you feel less stressed out 
I don't know. I'm just curious as to why you're acting this way. Um, and he really took it to heart. And then he opened up to me and told me that he was an orphan, that his mother abandoned him, his father abandoned him, and then gave him to his grandmother, then the grandmother abandoned him. And then he, he went into the army at like, you know, uh, 16 years old and lied about his age. And so he's had a really tough life. And then we just in an hour, we just discussed about how women are very threatening to him because the very women that were very close to him left him. So he doesn't trust women. So I got that in within an hour. And again, it's not for me to be his therapist. And I said, okay, I can see that I can appreciate how that could bother you. What are some ways we can communicate differently so that we're not triggering you? How can we have this conversation? And when you start to do that, man, all of a sudden that bully becomes on your level and they start to appreciate you and respect you. You will see that dynamic change very quickly. Right, right. Now, uh, from the other person to self, you know, some, uh, how does one introspect? So you say that where there is drama, there is trauma. And what your relationship is telling you about the past. So how does yeah. one introspect one's own behavior, one's own way of communicating, conducting himself or herself with other. That is, again, uh, personal relationships, office, mm -hmm. as well as anywhere else. How does one yeah. do that? And how does one know where to seek help? That he is not, he or she is not the office bully that we just talked about. Right. Yeah. And that's very possible. So, yeah, so I have lots of expressions where there's drama in a relationship. That means trauma from your past. Another expression I have is if the tears come fast, it's from the past. If it's hysterical, it's historical, right? <laughs> so that really means that you're getting triggered. And our lens in which we see this person is really an illusion. The illusion is getting, so meaning that if I see the office bully as someone who's mighty and powerful, that's actually not true, but we see them that way. Then we got to look at, all right, what other bullies were in our life? Or if I'm the bully, now, unfortunately, a lot of bullies are narcissists and a lot of narcissists, uh, most narcissists don't ever introspect. That's the problem. That's why they are who they are. You know, they don't take accountability for their actions. Um, so they do a very good job blaming everyone for why they acted this way. So bullies and narcissists are often the victim and you're the aggressor. So they're, they're going to tell you that you did this to them um, so that they can blame you and create more conflict. Okay. So if you're listening to this and you're looking to change, I'm going to guess that you're probably not one of those bullies because you're listening to and getting resources on how to better yourself. So if you were to do that, right, you can do the same trigger mitigation plan and you can have what I call a talking boundary with yourself. So if I'm getting triggered and I actually do this all the time. So if something's bothering me, I now have a very good awareness. This is bothering me because again, I like to feel good all the time. So if something's bothering me, I'll literally get out my phone, you know, I'll get my phone and I'll just do a little notes thing of, okay, what's the trigger? 
what am I thinking? Just get it out. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling insecure. I, um, it, it's just, you can, and, and then it's not just one thought. You can have lots of thoughts around this. How am I feeling? Where is it showing up in my body? And how am I behaving? Could be anxiety. I could be so angry. I, I could be, um, uh, you know, my blood pressure is raising. So I want to map that. Then now I want to go look and say, okay, how else can I think about this differently? What's the truth? Ego is saying one thing. What is your heart? And when I mean ego, like I said, ego is the chief operating officer of your past. So you're remembering something. And this is where working with a coach or a therapist can really help you. So when this person at work is yelling at me, what am I thinking? I'm thinking that I'm less than. All right. Then the next question is, how old am I right now? It's a great question to ask. How old am I right now? And every time I ask the client this, without even understanding the work that I'm doing, how old are you right now? Everyone knows the answer to that. Oh, I'm eight. What happened when you were eight? And something will just pop up. Okay, what happened when you're eight? Well, I remember mom yelling at me in the kitchen or I have a lot of siblings and no one paid attention to me and I always had to act a certain way. So, okay, great. What happened in your past shifted you from being your authentic child to adapting to your family system. And so we create these things called adaptations. And how we adapt is so that we can be seen or to feel love, to feel safe in our family, to uh, feel as though we're part of that family unit. And these adaptations, we take with us through our adult life and we think they are really who we are, but they're not because all adaptations end up creating our problems, drama, trauma, <laughs> and conflict. The authentic self of who we are, who we were born to be. So let's say, you know, I'll give you an example. I always talk about this in my podcast. Um, I'm a, I always was a very creative child, uh, loved all arts, acting, singing. I played lots of instruments, but that was never celebrated in my home. No one ever understood that. Um, it was oft, often like, oh, stop doing that. So I adapted and I stopped doing it. And I wanted to get more into business or law like my family. And I created that app. I lived that adaptation my whole adult life until I recognized that I hate it. I hate this job that I'm in. I don't like working in this field. And I had to go right and tap back into my authentic self. I'm like, what do I love to do? I love to write. I love to create things. I have to be creative. And I really, really love helping people and connecting with people. That's who I really am. So that's what I mean, where we create these adaptations all the time. We don't even know they're adapted. But a good indicator, a good telltale sign that you're living within an adaptation is when you're constantly being brought, you are, you are experiencing challenges, tough relationships, tough job situations financial distress something's going on where you are not actually who you really are right right Lindsay. now uh, you talk quite a bit about narcissists and how one does, uh, deal deals with them 
and you have the book also your newest book magic words how to get what you want from a narcissist now what does one do does one run away from a narcissist or wait to get their work done from a narcissist how does it work out and who what are was the second what was the second question do you run away or do you do what or, or you just wait and get your work done from the get work your work done from the narcissist who are they these people oh gosh okay so <laughs> narcissists are um I use the word bully. Um, they are emotional manipulators. Narcissists don't, um, they, they are always putting you down. They are, they gaslight. Gaslighting means they, they change certain things about the situation. They're always blaming right. and they're always trying to engage with you in some way, right? So if you are in a relationship, a romantic relationship with a narcissist, okay. I, I really don't think you can um, be in one, uh, truthfully. Um, if if your mother or if it's more of a, a family member or a father that's a narcissist, you can definitely have tools to manage them and to have a relationship with them. But the thing is, is what narcissists really cannot do is have intimacy. And I don't mean physical or sexual intimacy. Intimacy is this emotional connection that you have with what we typically do with healthy people, right? So narcissists can, if you are someone who has been raised by a narcissist, mother or father, the pattern typically is, is that we are magnets to narcissists romantically and professionally and through friendships. And there's a lot of reasons why that is that it's too long to explain in this, in this broadcast, but there are <clears throat> typically the narcissist, there is zero ownership of taking accountability through healthy discussions. It's constantly being blamed and, um, uh, and, and switching things around. Narcissists are masters of turning things around and where you just, you're like, what just happened, right? So I'm sure everyone has one in their life or has had one in their life. And they're very, very difficult to be in relationships with because even so many times, if you go to therapy or you're trying to work on this relationship, what happens in the therapist is that they become Prince Charming in front of everybody else. They are looking perfect and no one is seeing this ugly side to them. So that's something that's often done as well is where narcissists are very, very well liked. They are, um, you know, wonderful um, communicators. Uh, they're very flashy and everyone loves them but they're very, very difficult to be in intimate relationships with. That means one-on-one -on -one and when there's an emotional connection. Okay. So is there a way to know if, if someone is a narcissist, somebody can be flashy and still be a very good person and somebody else might be a narcissist with all those, you know, flashy everything. Yeah. Um, the number one reason I think the number one sign is lack of empathy where you where you're where you're with someone where you tell them how you feel and they don't connect they don't get it um they the thing is that they can be tricky right because they can see they can oh i totally understand right I, I i hear what you're saying but then when you ask them to make a change a behavior change hey could you not do this they just won't do it so 
empathy goes deep within them and that they feel really awful that they hurt your feelings. Um, they also are very defensive and, um, and, and they act very childlike. So they'll do things a certain way just to get their way. And um, they often will create, watch yourself around them. They'll change, somehow they have this power to change your behavior where you might act like a child, where you suddenly become hysterical and angry and then they become really calm. So narcissists are very good at what's called gaslighting. And I don't know, everyone seems to know what that term is, but really where the term comes from was a movie in the 1940s called Gaslight. And that movie was about a husband making his wife crazy by flickering with the gas lights in the house. And she would say, why are the lights flickering? And he would say, they're not. But he was doing it on purpose to make her crazy. So that's where the gaslighting comes from, where you're always feeling as if you're crazy around these people and they're super, super calm. And what do they want out of you? Is it, is it they want to make you mad or is it that they have a particular purpose in mind? Or is it that like they are on a conquest and that conquest is done and they move move somewhere else? Well, I'd say every relationship is different, but to categorize what do they want is they really want control. You know, they feel um, narcissists have had ch childhood trauma typically. Um, they have they weren't loved by a mother or a father. Um, they weren't seen, so they create a false sense of self. And then they believe it. They believe they are this fictitious person. So what happens is, is when you're in a relationship with someone and then that person, so let's say the person who's in a relationship with a narcissist is so blown away by their initial grandiosity. They're blown away by, oh my God, this guy's amazing, let's say. But narcissists can only hold up this false sense of self for so long. It is an act that um, is quite exhausting for them. That's why narcissists go into multiple relationships, right? Or they okay. cheat, or they go from job to job to job, or they have to have flashy thing after flashy because it's never enough for them. So we, we use this word called narcissistic supply because it's like fuel and gasoline to the ego of this false sense of self. So if you're in a relationship with a narcissist and you're starting to really know that dots aren't connecting, well, like, they're really not as grandiose as they portray themselves because you get to know what's going on behind the curtain. If you call them on that, if you just say, well, wait a minute, why did you do this? A true sign is they'll have what's called narcissistic rage. They literally get injured. There's called something called a narcissistic injury where they will get injured because now you are a major threat to their false sense of self and they don't like it. Right, right. Where where can people get this book, Magic Words? You know, uh, how how does one land uh, with this book? Yeah, you could find it on Amazon. It's sold in countries all over the world. Uh, Magic Words: How to Get to What You Want from a Narcissist. And the reason why I wrote this book is because everyone believes that you can't negotiate with it. There's a lot of advice out there as to walk away, no contact. Um, and, and I don't believe that's true. I mean, of course, if you can have no contact, that would be great. But a lot of times you have to co-parent with one. You know, let's say you're divorced with a narcissist, you have to co-parent. Um, or you have to work with one or there's one in your family. So 
there's a strategy that the book helps you understand is it's magic is an acronym uh m-a-g-i-c and there's the acronym is all the various steps that you can take in order to have what i call neutralizing the conversation is getting it out of high conflict so that you can actually try to get what you want from this person it's not meant to be manipulative but it's trying to get outside of the conflict uh the, the dance of conflict that they want with you and try to go around it and get them from the other side right right lindsay now uh, we have talked quite quite a bit here but then there is so much still left to understand and people would want to uh, know more and take your help also how do they connect with you how do they take your help how do they take your assistance how does that sure well thank you for asking um i have a, a very uh, popular podcast that's definitely one to get more of all of the stuff that i'm talking about it's called unbreakable you how yes, to break yes. up without being broken um i also have my website lindsayellison.com and if you are interested in working with me you send me a message on my website and then i will send you a form to fill out to see and then i offer a, a call a free call to, to determine what your goals are and to see if we're a good fit um and then of course my book on amazon there's connections there to get you back to my website as well right right thanks for that and i'll try and include as much also on the youtube description so that it helps people reach you in an easy manner so thank uh, you thank you for yeah now my last question just to put things in a nutshell is that how does in a world like this where there are narcissists then there are people around you who can you know when there with a lot of drama so is there a how does a plain jane or a simple joe work their way around in this world what should be their basic daily mantra of living peacefully hmm okay so <clears throat> boundaries are kryptonite to narcissists so you know superman right remember superman the 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 thing okay so the the movie right or the book i don't know what right right what would weaken superman kryptonite so boundaries are kryptonite to narcissists and emotional manipulators so and why it's because they like people without boundaries so that they can easily control and easily manipulate them so many people struggle with boundaries is because why back from their childhood they were learned that they were they learned that boundaries were wrong or especially women experience this of i want to be polite i want to be the good girl um having you know boundaries means you know you know women are are i don't care what culture but we have this notion that we should be submissive or we should be serving others and be ladylike right you can still be ladylike and have boundaries i always say boundaries are sexy okay um and men you know there are female narcissists out there as well a lot there it's it's all over right but if you have boundaries where does boundaries come from self love so if you don't have self love or there's a deficit of self love then you have a very difficult time having boundaries now having gone through all this work personally and i've been married to a narcissist so i have a whole timeline of events that you can find out more about reading my book and all of that 
but I am now in a better place because I've done the work that I now teach other people to do. So you've got to understand why are you struggling with narcissists or why are you struggling with boundaries? There's a thought distortion somewhere in there that we have to get back on track. The thought distortion happens, that sequence of the things that we make up comes from the place of that we were taught a certain way, but it's an adaptation. That's what thought distortions are. We adapted to someone else's thinking versus our own. And when you get all of those things in, in, in place and you understand what a boundary is and how to have a talking boundary with someone, narcissists just aren't interested in people like that. They just aren't. So they'll just, they just won't, you're not going to have that a, attractive magnetic uh, connection with one because you are, um, uh, you're, you're not, you're not easy. You're not an easy target for them. So that's why for me, I don't really have any narcissists in my life. I don't, I don't have the trauma going on because I have healthy boundaries and how to have healthy boundaries is looking within and doing all of that work that I help people do. Right. Right. That's a lot of great insights, uh into understanding the human psychology, people, and how one can, you know, wade their way through these troubled waters of life. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for all these insights and hope to have you again soon on something else. All the best. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thanks. Thank you.